know, we got to kind of behave ourselves in here because um, we have the athletic director of McKinley. He's here. We have a, a counselor, you know, counselor VP. Actually, a VP. VP Higa is here. We have Coach Pat Silva, McKinley High School football team here. So, so blessed to have you guys here. Thank you, folks, for coming. <clears throat> you know that risen, he's risen indeed stuff. Kind of interesting, the kind of the crazy things Christians do. Yes, sometimes, then, you know, this all our, he's risen. How was that? Did you get, where's Tammy? Is Tammy gone? Okay, Tammy. Tammy, how did they do? Because I was in the back. I couldn't, they did okay? All right, you want to you wanna come and do it again after? No, okay. All right. But happy Easter. So, so excited to see all of you here today. Um, you know, we've been really praying for today. We've been praying like for 40 days. Uh, on Friday night, we came here, we just prayed. And we just really prayed because Easter is more than like just this religious or this traditional kind of holiday. More than like Easter eggs and, and uh, Easter egg hunts and Easter bunnies. Um, it's, it's, it's a time in where we come to celebrate the love of God, that the love of God was demonstrated through the power um, of, of his love when he sent his son Jesus to come and die on that cross. That Jesus came and he paid the penalty for our sin and he put all the sins of the world on himself. And then we come here and we celebrate Easter because it is the power of God that's demonstrated through what Jesus did, and, and God raised him from the dead, and, and when God raised him from the dead, death was defeated once and for all, that our sin and all the, the penalty for our sin was, was just, um, we were freed from all that, we were freed from evil, and, and Easter really is a confirmation of God's love and his power through what he did through the Lord Jesus, and you know what, you've probably heard that at least once in your life, you probably heard that's what Easter is all about. But you might be asking, you know, so why, why is that really important to me? You know, okay, so that's Easter, so why is that really important to me? And this, in my opinion, it's really important because if you would just stop and if you would really think about the reality of Easter and the truth of Easter and what God did, it's going to fill your heart with love, that you'll begin to see that what God did for you is really love. That, that you will begin to realize that what God did, that's, that's love. That's what love is all about. And in the truest sense of the word love, God loves you. And I've just been praying, and we've been praying, that we would leave this place more in love with Jesus than when we came. And maybe for the first time, that you would receive God's love into your hearts. Here's something really, really crazy to consider. God knows you. God knows everything about you. God knows all the things that, that, that you've done. He knows you inside out. He knows every thought that you have, every motivation that you have, the good and the bad, and he's seen every good thing that you've done. And he's seen every bad thing that you've ever done. And and you just can't hide from God. And in spite of all that, God loves you. You know, he, he sees and he says, Mark, you know, and, but he still loves us. 
that he still loves us. In fact, Romans 5.8 says that God showed his great love for us, that for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, some of us think that we got to be really good people, and, and when we're good people, that's the people who God loves. But the Bible says that, that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come for us, even when we were yet far, far away from him. And you know the thing is, so often, it's not believing that God loves us is the problem. That the, the problem that we have and why we can't receive God's love into our lives is because of shame and guilt. Because of shame and guilt. That, that, that we all know the difference between right and wrong. You all know the difference between right and wrong. You all know the difference between good and, and bad. That, that we don't have to be a genius really to know that we haven't lived a perfect life. And really, that's what sin is. Sin is just not really meeting up and falling short of God's standards. And the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. But, but this is love. This is love that God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin. And the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us, you know, and that amazing gift that we have, all we need to do to receive that gift and to have Jesus pay the penalty for our sin is really to accept that gift and believe that what Jesus said is true. Now, most all of you here, you've heard that before. But so often what we do when we hear that, we hear other voices as well. And if you're like me, you've had thoughts like, you know, why would God love someone like me? Some of you have thought that. Why, why would God love someone like me? Or I'm not good enough. You know, I'm really not good enough. I don't have enough faith. You ever thought that? That no, I just don't have enough faith. That I'm not good enough to receive what God has for me. Or if people knew, if people knew all the things I've done and all the terrible thoughts that I have in my mind, if people knew all that, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't love me. And if they wouldn't love me, there's no way God's going to love me. You know? Or maybe you had a thought like, man, you know, it's too late. That I've messed up so much. I'm just too far gone. Now I'm beyond what God can do for me. And really, it's our shame and our guilt that keeps us from receiving the gift of God's love. And you know what? I've been thinking about that a lot this week. And... As I was thinking about today and what I felt God wanted me to talk about, unbeknownst to me that he was giving me a, an experience to really help you to understand why, how shame and guilt just stops us from receiving, from his, receiving his love. And this week was a really tough week for me. Man, it was tough. Um, I, was, I was sick. I caught that cold that, you know, it's going around and it takes like four years to, to get better and just coughing and all that stuff. And I felt so bad, I couldn't even make it to our services last Sunday. And with Easter coming up, man, there was all these things that needed to be done, right? And I'm just feeling the pressure, and it's like, oh, this is not going to be a good week. And then on Monday, my, Monday, my wife, um, she had to go in to have minor surgery, you know? And minor surgery, you know, the kind that, um, 
that you, it's the outpatient kind that you get to go home after you wake up, if you wake up, you know, that, that kind of surgery. And, and I thought about it, but like, is there really such a thing as minor surgery, right? I mean, minor surgery? I was thinking about that, minor surgery. It's like painless dentistry. Is there such a thing as painless dentistry? Is there such a thing as a working vacation, you know, or, or a little pregnant, you know? <laughs> oh, but my favorite, what I was really thinking about, pretty ugly. Like, pretty ugly, you know? But you get the picture. Anyway, I, so I dropped, I dropped my wife off Monday morning for her minor surgery, and uh, I picked her up uh, that afternoon, you know? And uh, you would think... Knowing me, if you know me, you would think, man, Mark, you're such a good person that you're going to be the model caregiver, right? I mean, I know that's what you all are thinking. And uh, I started off really great. I really did. I started off really great. You know, I, I got her flowers. I got her favorite dessert. I got things ready at home. You know, you guys are just proud of me, right? I even did this. I, she, she had pain meds and all that. And she had two kinds, and, and I knew that it would be hard in the middle of the night. So what I did was I got, I got a pill box, and I put the different ones where she should take, and when she was supposed to take it, you know, with post-it notes and the whole thing. And, man, I was, I was off to a great start. You know, caregiver of the year, you know. And then, Monday, and then Tuesday morning comes around, and I just had a really, really bad night of sleep, you know, just coughing, and I woke up, and I was just feeling rotten, still fighting that cold, you know, and I got up to, to, to see my wife feeling great. She was, she was doing laundry. She was kind of humming and worshiping, and, and, and she was doing all kinds of things, and then after a little bit, she, she said, oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling really tired, you know, and, and, and uh, because, after all, her body was telling her that she had just gone through surgery, right? And so she laid down, and then she started to ask for stuff, okay? Ask for tea, a certain kind of tea. Ask for pillows, you know? Ask for a certain food that she wanted to eat and all kinds of stuff. That's when my caregiver rating just went down. Okay, it just went down. That, that I, uh, that's when I, uh, I got all grumpy. I got all grumpy and I, and I was thinking. I didn't say nothing, okay? But I, but I was thinking. I might have said something. But I said, I was thinking, man, if you didn't get all crazy. I did say it, I think. I, I, if you didn't get all crazy and you didn't do all this stuff, you wouldn't feel like how you feel now. And because you feel the way you feel now, I have to go all out of my way to do all these things for you, and I'm sick too. I know. I know. You didn't need to be God to know that I messed up, right? And I was all grouchy for a while. She was kind of keeping her distance, you know? And... Uh, I was just feeling kind of sorry for myself. Tell you what, I'm sick. I got to do all this and minor surgery. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? And then I just felt like I needed to 
to rethink things. That even in light of all the things that I needed to do, that, that I, I, I went. I went from hero to zero just like that. Just like that. And after some not-so-minor conversations, some apologizing, maybe some groveling, um, things were once again okay in the Morimoto Hospital. But you know what? Even after things were good, even after Joe was saying, you know, it's okay, I'm fine, don't worry about it. Even after all that, you know, I, I, was, I was still struggling with guilt. Right? I was struggling with guilt. I, wa- I was thinking, how could I be so dumb that my wife had just had surgery and here I am acting like a dork? That John, John Snow might know nothing, but all I knew is I'm an idiot. That's what I was thinking, you know? And, and feeling guilty, I was just kind of wishing, I wish that I, we could have, time could go back, and I could go back when I was picking her up from the hospital, because that was good. I was good there. You know, I was, I was wishing that, man, that I wish we could go back in time, that things would change. But you know the thing is, you just can't go back in time. You can't undo things that you already done, right? It doesn't work that way, and, and you're stuck. And you can wish all day, man, I wish, I wish. But, but you're stuck. You're stuck with your guilt, and you're stuck with your shame. And yet, have you ever felt like that, just stuck? You know, as I bumbled my way through the week, I thought, that's kind of how we often are with God, you know? That, that we mess up, we're embarrassed, we feel guilty, we regret the things that we've done, and we just wish we just could go back and get a do-over. But we can't go back in time, and we're just stuck. And so often, we're just stuck with our guilt, and we're stuck with shame, and we try to ignore it, but it doesn't go away. It's there, and it'll always be there. You think, I just messed up so much. And then we think, how could God love me now? And after what I did... Man, if I could go back, if I could go back, you know, maybe God would love me, but just the way it is, how can God love me? And we don't think that God can forgive us when we messed up. Why would God bail us out? Why would God let us off the hook after we just mess up over and over again? And there was this follower of Jesus whose failure was so dramatic that his story should have ended there. His name was Peter, and Peter was not only a follower, he was a leader, and, and he was one of Jesus' closest friends. And, and, and Peter was very vocal. And, and he would say all kinds of things and how he was committed to Jesus. And in John 13, verse 36, Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And then in Matthew 26, 31, on the way, Jesus told his disciples, tonight all of you are going to desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. 
And Peter declares, even if the rest of these guys desert you and everybody else desert you, I will never desert you. To which Jesus said in verse 34, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter said, no, no way. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. But you know, just as Jesus predicted, when the pressure was on, Peter flatly denied even knowing Jesus. And in verse 69, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtroom, courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to, said to him, said to him, you are, the, you are one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied in front of everybody. I don't know what you're talking about. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said, and said to those standing around, this man, he was with Jesus. You know, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it. And this time, he's just getting a little bit more irritated about the whole thing. And he, with an oath, he says, I don't even know this man. And then a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. I can tell by your accent, you know. And Peter, this time, he's just so upset, he just swears, you know. And he says, and he says this, he says, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't even know the man. I don't even know the man. And suddenly, the rooster crows, and Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And there was Peter. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Peter knew he messed up. Peter knew that he had messed up. After all the things that he had said, after all the things where he's seen Jesus do, and all the amazing teaching. I mean, Peter even walked on water. And despite all those things, he was with Jesus for three years, and now he denies even knowing him. Now what? That's a tough place. That's a tough place to be when you're messed up. You boldly proclaim you do stuff, and when the going gets tough, you just fail. You just fail. And that's where Peter was. And not only did he deny Jesus, he, he saw Jesus die. And when Jesus died, for Peter, it was all over. It was done. That um, there was no way that he would ever be able to make up for what he did. That his future just crumbled before his very eyes. And then Jesus dies, we know, and, 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 and he gets put in the tomb, and then he gets resurrected from the dead. And in John 21, there's an encounter with Peter and Jesus after Jesus uh, was resurrected. In John 21, verse 3, Peter's there, and he says, I'm going to go out fishing. And they say, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. That night, they didn't catch anything, you know. And, and at this time, Peter had seen Jesus. He had seen the risen Jesus. He had seen Jesus had been raised from the dead, but it really didn't change anything. 
He still knew what he did. He still knew he denied Jesus. And he just said, it's all over. It's all over. In fact, what, what Peter did is he just went back to what he just knew what, how to do. He went back to be the fisherman that he was when Jesus called him. And it was really interesting that, that just like the first time that, that Jesus meets Peter, he's right there, and it's like Jesus is going to come in verse 4. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, hey, guys, got anything? No, we didn't catch anything. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat. They go, shoot, we'll do that. And they catch so much fish, they can't even haul it in. And it was Jesus who came to meet Peter, just like that first time. Peter was fishing, and it was, it was as though Jesus was saying to Peter, we're going to go back to where it started. You know, we're going to go back to where it started. And then in verse, 20, in verse uh, 7, then the disciple who Jesus loved, that's John, says to Peter, it's the Lord. He recognizes it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter hears him, it's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garments around him, for he had taken them off and jumped into the water. And, and, and Jesus had come to Peter to give him a fresh new start. That he, he came to give him a new beginning. He didn't go back in time and, and because he couldn't do anything like that. But he came and... and, and, and and with the resurrection, everything just changed. And Peter knew something had changed. And so he goes and he runs after Jesus. And what we read later on is that when Jesus goes back up to heaven, there's Peter with the disciples, and, and, and he speaks pretty much what is the first sermon of that church. And that day he spoke to a whole bunch of people and 3,000 people said, I received the good news about Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. And, and that day, over 2,000 years ago, when Peter spoke, and 3,000 people came to follow Jesus, the church actually was birthed there. And that's a church that continues even today to where we are, to where we are right now. And when you look at Peter... Let God speak to you. This is love. This is love. Peter gave up on Jesus, but Jesus never gave up on Peter. And he doesn't give up on you. Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. You see, that's what real life, that's what real love looks like. That love is someone totally sacrificing everything they have out of love for someone else. It isn't just this feeling, it isn't just this emotion, it's really a commitment. And what God is saying from the very beginning is that he's so committed to us, he's so committed to you, that he's going to do whatever it takes to get back into a relationship with him. You see, it tells us, and, and, and Easter, and what Easter is, is so, so significant, it tells us of just the great love, the great love that God has for you, for you, 
and to horrible caregivers of people who have had minor surgery like me. See, that's what, that's what love is. That's what Easter is all about. Easter is about God's love. And it's not just God's love. It's God's love for you. And you know, when I was driving in this morning, I thought, there are going to be people coming today and that they might have come because someone invited them or they might have come because it's Easter after all or, you know, they, they come because, um, you know, this is, this is one of those holidays I should be here. But I was thinking that, that you're here for more than that, that you're here for a reason, that out of God's great love for you, he wanted you here. And you're here because of that. And that he wanted you to hear and to receive just how much God loves you. And you might be like me, and, and you, might, you, you might have done some really junky things in your life. You know? You might be like Peter. There's some really tough things in your life. But this is love. That... While we were still sinners, God sent his son Jesus to come and die for us. That no matter what we do, even if we, even if we deny him and, and we give up on him, that he never gives up on us. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Don't matter. You don't know what I think. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is God loves you in a real personal way, like Peter, like me. This Easter, that's why Easter is so important. That's why Easter is so important. And, and this Easter, I'm just praying that you would receive the love of God for you. That amazing, amazing love, you know, that amazing love of God that through Jesus, who was crucified, he was laid behind a stone, he lived to die, he was rejected and alone. And, and like a rose, he was trampled on the ground, and he took the fall, he took it all. And, and he thought of me, and he thought of you, and he thought of everyone here, above anything else, above all. That's what Easter is all about. You know, I just wanted to read the lyrics again to that, that um, chorus. Crucified, laid behind the stone. You lived to die, rejected and alone. And like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. You know, and this is the simple message of the cross. Right? It's simple enough so that even a child can understand. And it works. You know, I tested it on my four-year-old. And she said, yeah, Jesus died for my sin. He's in heaven. Yet it is the most powerful and freeing message that we could ever hear. You know, this morning is a morning of great celebration. I was just thinking all around the world, people are gathering together and they're celebrating Easter. And, you know, we get the privilege of closing it out, celebrating it the last, right? And, you know, I was thanking the Lord. I couldn't stop thanking the Lord this morning for his unfailing love. And I said, Lord, thank you so much that you never gave up on me. 
Lord, that your grace and your mercy is sufficient in my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know where I'd be today, really. You know, I definitely would not be here on this stage. I definitely would not be in Hawaii. I, I don't know where I would be. And it's a scary thought to think of my life without Jesus. You know, as we were worshiping this morning, as we were singing songs, as we were listening to this message, and I could feel God's presence in this place. I could feel his holy presence. I could feel his joy in this place. How many of you guys felt God's presence here in this auditorium this morning? Amen. Yes, many of us sense that. You know, for some of us today, um, that's something new. But you sensed a joy and a peace that was unexplainable. And the Bible says that this is the kingdom of God. Amen. This is the kingdom of God. In fact, he says this. For the kingdom of God is not of earthly matters, but it is of righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that what you sense right now, what you're continuing to sense, it's going to continue. God wants to pour out even more this morning. You know, today we declare that Jesus is risen, amen, that he is alive, that he's overcome sin, that he's overcome death, that he's given us eternal life, and he's also given us freedom. And I was thinking back about the last moments that Jesus was on the cross, his very last words. You know, the last thing that Jesus said, he said with a loud voice, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. Can you turn to someone next to you right this morning with confidence and assurance and say, it is finished. Tell someone next to you, it is finished. You know, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, he didn't just mean it for that time, right? Jesus came to fulfill his mission, right? He lived to die. He said it is finished, not just for the past, not just 2,000 years ago. He said it is finished for the present right now. You know what? He said it is finished for the future, right? Jesus said it is finished. And you know, when Jesus said it is finished, um, it's done. It's a done deal, right? There's nothing that can nullify that. There's nothing that can revoke that. There's nothing that can overturn the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, Peter, we, we heard that story about Peter this morning. And Peter, I believe, experienced that amazing grace, right? That he encountered what it meant when Jesus said, it is finished. You know, his life, while he was following Jesus, was, was okay. And, and yet he had a turning away, right? He had a fall. And yet when Jesus reinstated him, I see a man that no longer operated in shame and guilt, right? That he was operating in grace. And that grace is for us this morning. When Jesus said it is finished, there were some things that happened 2,000 years ago. The first thing that happened was that in the temple, the curtain that was the divider was torn from top to bottom. 
Jesus said it is finished and the curtain was torn. You know what that symbolized? It symbolized access to God's presence that's available for us today because of Jesus, that we can come and fellowship with God. And when Jesus said it is finished, there was an earthquake and the rocks were split. I believe that when Jesus said it is finished, there was a shaking in the foundations of the earth, that there was a shifting in the heavenly places. And lastly, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says that the tombs of the saints, many bodies came back. They were awakened. Could you imagine that? The dead coming back to life, right? What would happen if we saw that today, right? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you know what I love most of all? At the end of Matthew, it, it talks about the centurion, the guard who was witnessing everything that Jesus had gone through, seeing the earthquake, seeing everything that happened, right? He was terrified and he exclaimed, truly, this is the son of God. And he testified and gave glory to God, right? That is an amazing thing that we can do this morning is to say, truly, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are exalted. You know, the gospel message is simply stated. Again, it's a simple thing. And it's found in my favorite verse in the Bible, John 3.16. Many of us know this verse. Right? Why don't you re recite that with me this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, this is love. That God would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die, to take the punishment for you and I so that we can have everlasting life. I want to tell you again this morning that God loves you so much. That God loves you more than you know. You know, God knows everything about you. He knows everything about our past. He knows everything that we've tried to do to earn his love. He knows everything that we've tried to do to work towards salvation. And you know what? God, I believe this morning, he wants us to encounter more of his love, more of his purpose, more of his peace. There are some things that keep us from receiving all of God's blessing. And the Bible calls it sin. Sin separates us from, from the Lord, right? Separates us from God. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And folks, this morning, I don't want us to be, be deceived, right? We will reap what we sow, right? The Bible is very clear that. Jesus Christ died upon the cross. He was the punishment for our sin, the one and only punishment for our sin. You know, as he is dying again, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And I can hear those words this morning. It is finished. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You know, this morning, we have an opportunity to receive his grace, receive his love. 
you know, we, we have to make a personal decision to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior and accept God's gift of salvation by faith. Right? Faith. Faith alone. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, this morning as we wrap up our Easter service, you know, I want to give an invitation for those of us here that maybe feel that we're far from the Lord or we don't even know the, the, the love of God this morning, but we want it. You know, as you've been hearing this message, as you've been in this service, you're sensing something. You're sensing a nudge and, and pull from the Lord. You know, this is an opportunity to respond. The Bible says that today is a day of your salvation. Amen. Do not delay. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Today is a day of salvation. So if you would bow your heads with me this morning, I want to just lead us in a prayer. Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for living for myself. By faith, I receive the gift of salvation and ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Empower me to live for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And with your head still bowed, you know, if you heard this message today and for the very first time, you decided to give your life to the Lord. You know, just as an act of faith, I just want you to raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. If you pray this prayer for the very first time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand and say, Lord, thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these hands. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Amen, amen. You know, we want to, again, say thank you for being here. Thank you for being open to hearing from the Lord and receiving that. And, you know, I want to be the first to just welcome you. If you received, if you raised your hand this morning and you just received Jesus for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. And, you know, before we leave today, you know, before we leave, we have some um, newcomer packets, right? There's a Bible in there. We want, you to, we want to give that to you as a gift this morning. So before you leave, please pick one up. Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you this morning. Thank you. Oh, you don't have to clap for me. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. You know, when you came in, you got a bulletin that has cards in it. It would really be an encouragement to all of us. Believe me, you know, we've worked really hard for this service, really been praying. Um, if you would fill out this card, man, it would really mean a lot to us. And, you know, just on this day, you made a decision. If you made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, just mark that. Just put a check. If you made a decision to take some steps to come back, to just mark that. And if, you know, I want to invite you to come back next week and hear more about the love of God, just check that. If you want to get baptized, check that one. And then what we're going to ask is after the service is done, 
before you go out and get some grub, you know, just, just get the card and just stick it on top of the, the stage on your way out as you go out that way. That really, really, really would be an encouragement to us. And I want to encourage you, please stay for some refreshments. We got some really good refreshments. We got like ham sandwiches. We got noodles. We got dessert. Um, after I go to get mine, you guys can go get Shimazu Shave Ice. That's out there. Okay? But you got to wait. You got to wait for me because I'm the head honch around here. So I got to go. Then you all go. All right? You get that? And I really do want to personally invite you to come back next Sunday. We're going to be at the McKinley Community School for Adults out this way, out right in that building when you first come into the parking lot, 9 o'clock and 1045. Um, we have an s- exciting development in our church. Call up Dave or Yadamari real quick. Why don't you come up? Cheryl, you can come up too because these two people will be out there just inviting you to something. But I thought I'd have Dave explain it to you. And I wanted Dave to come up because... Dave has, like, just great taste in shoes. So, I mean, show, show off your shoes, man. Look at that. All birds. Look at that. All birds. Mine's blue, though. It's not Costco. The world's right. most comfortable shoes. I don't have any stock in it, though. So, hey, you know what? Um, we talked this morning about the love of God and how, how special that is for you here this morning. You've experienced it. The special thing Mark is talking about is, um, here's the quick backdrop. I don't want to take too much time. Um, we know that we live in the most connected society digitally in the history of our society. And yet we also know that our society, as connected as we are digitally, is very disconnected physically. Um, all you have to do is go to a restaurant and see people around a table all on their phones. Uh, what the heart we have is for this next generation. So people that you know, you work with, you might be this person from 22 to 37 years old um, or close to that age range so not Cheryl's age oh oh or mine oh. <laughs> or mine so this is why we need your help what we're doing is we're creating not only an office but a gathering spot at salt in Kakaako and this, this, a friend of mine who I've known since fourth grade, he's a design architect. He's flying in from Santa Monica. And he's going to help us brainstorm what this place is going to look like and what it's going to feel like. And you definitely don't want old people like me or Cheryl <laughs> designing this place. We need, we need people who are younger in the millennial segment from 20 to 37 years old to help us brainstorm what this is supposed to be like what it's supposed to feel like is it like a coffee shop is it a lounge it's just a place for people to hang out and we don't just want church going people to show up to this focus group or this brainstorming session we want anybody and everybody so that's what we're going to be asking your help for um if it's next week saturday april 27th at 9 30 a.m to 11.30 a.m. or 12.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. We're going to meet in front of Mokus at Salt and we're going to take people upstairs to where the proposed space is going to be that we're leasing. And we're just, we're going to be talking story and we'd love to hear from you. So Dave's going to pay everyone 100 bucks from his <laughs> pocket that shows up. 20 bucks, all right. So uh, Dave and I are going to be out where the refreshments are. So if you're a millennial or know of one, come see us, and we'll get them signed up. Thanks.
Amen. Thank you, guys. You know, that generation and that, that age group, I believe that's all my nephews that are here today. Okay. So I don't want to point you guys out like Derek and Darren and Jordan and Christian, but that's who we're talking about. See them. If you have any questions or anything, anything like that, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to close this service. Again, you know, take a few seconds to fill out that card and, and just bring them up on this stage and then join us so for some refreshments. Just follow me as we go to Shima. Anyway, so just come up. But so glad you're here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. I pray that today we not only understood more about what your love is, that we would receive it into our hearts. That man, we just cannot believe that you would love us. And yet, we cannot deny that. That our spirit says to us, this is love. May we all receive a greater measure of your love for us. And I pray that you would bless everyone here. That you would bless them. That you would bless them with a greater experience of your love. Thank you, Father, that you are awesome. That you are awesome. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Make your way out, but drop your cards off. That would be so much of an encouragement to us.